Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee Time at the Water's Edge. I'm Rodney and I'd like to thank you for joining us. We are again going to be going to a throwback episode. Last week, we looked at the question, how do you share the gospel with somebody who's dealing with gender identity and suicide? Well, this week we're going back to another awesome episode with... Carrie Cortez. If you watched our biblical womanhood episode, Carrie was on that episode. Uh, she's, we, we love to have her on the, on the show. So this week they're going to be talking, Dr. Stephen Roby and Carrie Cortez are going to be talking about the Enneagram. This is a great episode, guys. Make sure you tune in all the way through, help us out, leave some likes and subscribe and comments. We love to, to interact with our viewers. So let's go ahead and get into that episode. Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee Time q and I'm Pastor Steve Roby and I have with me a new co-host today, Mrs. Carrie Cortez. How you doing, Carrie? I'm doing pretty good. You... Go ahead. Oh, how are you doing? <laughs> we'll have to work on our dynamics. We haven't sat down and done this. No, I'm excited to have you here. Um, and when we get into the topic, I'll kind of explain why. Um, but first, we're going to be drinking some good coffee. Uh, this is a locally roasted coffee, again, from Fathom. Uh, this is the Ethiopian Organic Yurgachev. I believe I said that right. We, I've been working on that. Rodney's been getting this coffee consistently because I think he found one that he really loves, and it's so good. So let's give it a, a, a cheers here. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Mm. Quality. That's good. You said you had high standards. I did. I told Rodney he needs to make sure he gets the right ratio going on with this pour over. Oh, it's good. It meets your standard. Yep. Yep. It meets it. Awesome. So this is a question that came from one of the members of our church, um, and it's pretty succinct. It says, "What is your opinion on the Enneagram and how it has infiltrated the modern church?" And so when I saw this question come in, I just, I, I didn't chuckle because I don't, it's not a funny topic, but I, I, I immediately thought of you because I know we've talked about this before here in our community group. Mm -hmm. um, Carrie does a lot for our um, church, social media, church photographer, you and Lauren, you guys do a lot of different things for us. And so we're thankful for that. Um, but I immediately thought of you when this question came in. I was like, I got to have Carrie on to talk about this because one, I think she probably knows more. I mean, I've, I've studied it and done some mm -hmm. research. Um, but I knew this was something that was like a, a big deal for you and in, in, in your past experiences. And so we wanted to have you on and to uh, have this conversation about the Enneagram. Let's first just talk about what it is. Um, okay. So I think there might be some confusion about what that is. There might be people that haven't really heard of it. Um, and there's certainly people who may have already got involved in it. And so it's a good question. What, what is the Enneagram, if you could explain it for us? Okay, well, if you're any like millennial or Gen Z person, you're going to notice the Enneagram numbers based on Instagram post and story shares. And um, it basically is treated like a personality test these days. There's multiple ones online. You can take a free one or you can do like a more in-depth one. And then you're assigned a number. And that number tells you things about your personality. It tells you things you're good at, things you're bad at, good things about you. And then um, it's supposed to help you guide your way through 
getting rid of the bad and adding in more good. So by the end of your life, you should have all of the good from all nine of the numbers. Mm. So you, um, as you explain that, see, I've, I've, I've come to understand it as these nine personalities are really essences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and beneath just a personality type, these are maybe false constructs that have, mm-hmm. that we have to to shed off to a degree in order to uh, highlight our true essence. Um, that it's that in, underneath all of this, there is a uh, a pathway of transformation. That's how I've heard it described. Yeah. And so like immediately I'm like, oh, what is this? Because it sounds a little <laughs> off right when you talk talking about a pathway to transformation. Yeah. Um, so there's some red flags that, that kind of came up, you know, mm-hmm. in, in my conversation about it. But yeah, I think most people view it as, as a personality test. Um, but w- when we study the origins of that, we see that there was something much more spiritual behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, to be clear, as a, as a personality test, there are no scientific studies that lend any credibility to the Enneagram. Um, yeah. There are no, there's no historical research that's been happening for, for decades. Um, it is something that has gained popularity, uh, certainly in the last decade. Um, but even before that, it, it finds its origins back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can kind of talk about how, how it came about. Uh, first, I, I came across um, the earliest mention of it was not in its final form of the Enneagram, but was was the development of what's called the Enneagon. And that was a nine sided, you know, shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was developed by George Gurchev, who um, saw it as a cosmic reality through which everything in the cosmos could be viewed. Like it was definitely a spiritual thing for him. Mm-hmm. He had an Eastern Orthodox background, but, but rebelled against that and um, had, had been teaching a lot of esoteric things and, and through his encounter with uh, Eastern mysticism um, and some Islamic mystics through mm-hmm. the Sufis. And so his teaching of this, Enneagon got picked up by a pupil, a Russian named Uspensky, who then took it and further developed it and came up with the three categories. So all of these nine personalities are really fit into three categories. Mm -hmm. So like a trinity, like a three of threes. And you have the thinking, the feeling and the doing, right? That's that's your mind, your heart and your instinct. So he kind of put that layer on it. But then by the time we get to the mid 20th century, he encounters, others encounter his teachings, uh, a man named Oscar. Uh, what was Oscar's last name? Uh, I'm going to draw a blank on it. This was a guy mm-hmm. who had a school called Arika. Yeah. And he uh, had a student there named Claudio Naranjo. And that's mm-hmm. where the Enneagram comes from. Yep. And so uh, Naranjo and Oscar had initially claimed that this had like ancient origins back in Babylonian days and Sumerian texts. But then you saw, you see Naranjo on YouTube talking about how the origins really came about. And he says that he was in a, uh, a trance essentially, and it was through spirit contact in which he used automatic writing to come up with these nine personality types, the Enneagram. And so, man, it's like right away you see this occultic sort mm-hmm. of new age um, spiritism mm-hmm. being interjected. And that's really the origins of it. And from there, he goes out to California 
And then it comes into contact with a Jesuit priest named Bob Ox. Mm-hmm. And then Ox has a disciple named Richard Rohr. And then that's where you can kind of take it up there because you know more about how it got into the church. And so it was definitely a new age thing before mm-hmm. getting into the church. And then Richard Rohr was kind of the the person that really injected that into, into the church life. Yeah. So I think one of the things that's important to know about Richard Rohr is that he is most definitely not a um, person that holds to historic Christianity. Um, so you will see a lot of his disciples that... Um, are more in the progressive sector of uh, the Christian circles. Um, So when he started teaching the Enneagram, his disciples started catching on to it. And then the first book that was published by an evangelical publishing company, um, The Road Back to You, I believe it was called. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was in 2016. And since then, there's been now, I think, 20 more books that have been published. Mm. It's either 20 or 25 just on the Enneagram by other progressive leaders or liberal leaders. So they may not be like fully progressive, but they are definitely more liberal leaning. And you see this really getting into the evangelical circles, um, which is quite sad. (laughs) And you see the, um, the pastors that are picking up these books that are reading them, even though they're from... Um, quote unquote, like Christian leaders. Um, And then they're taking it into their churches and then they're teaching it. There's curriculums for churches to be teaching it in like a small group setting. A lot of leadership is using it. If the church isn't preaching it from the pulpit, most of the time, at least the leadership is using it as a way to make them work together better. Just to understand one another better, like any you would use any other kind of personality type thing. Mm -hmm. So it's viewed as a very pragmatic tool. Yes. Um, but you, what you, what you're describing is that. So as it progresses in the in the new age world, which it mm-hmm. certainly has and, and continues to do, there's a whole Enneagram Institute, um, which is very new age, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of that one branch of it. But then you also have it through Richard Rohr and his disciples, mm-hmm. as you're saying, it, it's starting to move into the church. Started with progressive mm-hmm. Christianity. I think Rob Bell got into it. Brian McClare and some of the more yeah, Jen Hatmaker's into it. Um, she mm-hmm. wrote a book on it that just came out. I think like two years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. or it's going on two years. And it's basically like you can toss aside the gospel, basically, and it makes the Enneagram the gospel for how to become a better, more enriched person. Yeah, because it comes. If if I understand it right, it becomes almost a paradigm through which you see the world mm-hmm. through through everybody's personality. It's not only how you become to understand yourself, but you also come to understand everybody else by mm-hmm. their number, by their by their unique personality, yeah. um, which is concerning. Right. <laughs> um, as, you know, as you think about sort of the arguments for using it in the mm-hmm. church. It, it really boils down to just a, a pragmatic, like, oh, I see some good happening from this. I gain mm-hmm. some insight into myself and to others. But I'm like, is it really worth it? You know, is it really worth it? it it's not. Um, coming from, like, just my background and seeing how the number that somebody associated with what ended up becoming an excuse for sin. It was not. It was used so that people would not hold each other accountable in a biblical manner so that we could actually work further on our sanctification process together. It was instead 
causing the victim to have to give grace to an offender without being able to get true repentance from that offender. So it kind of pigeonholes people into these personality types Mm -hmm. and then it it becomes an excuse for, you know, instead of this transformational pathway, (laughs) um, which I'm sure some people try to view through through that lens. I, I came across all kinds of stuff that have been written on it. Um, a, a Bible promises for your personality type, <laughs> for your Enneagram number. And so they're attaching scripture. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of syncretism with it sort of being mm-hmm. integrated into the Christian faith. But I'm I, I'm just at a gut level, like starting with the origins of this. Mm-hmm. If, if the, the guy who developed these says, I got this through auto, automatic writing, yeah. right, through channeling spirits, I'm like, man, I'm not sure this is something we want to get into in the church. Matter of fact, I think it's it's damning and, and dangerous. Yeah. And I can definitely see that. And I've heard it said before, like if it were actually helping people, if it were a valid tool that could be proven through psychology to actually help people, then maybe it can be redeemed. But it's not. When you actually look at the numbers and you look at how it's most of the time you can't get a repetitive same number when you take it, um, it's lacking a lot of the qualifications of an actual personality test. Like it's not a personality test. And um, most psychologists will look at it and just laugh. Now you're going to have people that are more like spirit counselors or maybe sociologists that are like, oh, this can help you. But at what cost? When you look at its background and the occult background, are you willing to chance being led astray just so that you can understand who you are right now when we have better sources that we can look at? So just because there might be a little bit of truth to it doesn't mean it's a good resource. (laughs) I've been waiting to use that. (laughs) That was a good point. That's why I did that. Um, Yeah, you use the word redeem, right? And so the way, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about culture, and I think this is a helpful sort of categorization or or a way of filtering Christian engagement with the world is, is, is this practice Mm -hmm. is whatever the thing is, is it something that we should and can openly receive in the church? Mm -hmm. Is it something we should reject or is it something that can be redeemed? Right. And so you use, you use sort of that language to think about, is this something that can be redeemed or should be redeemed versus just outright rejected or just Mm -hmm. outright embraced? Now, even so, I did listen to some proponents of it in the church. There's a guy named Todd Wilson. Is that a name that's familiar with you? He wrote a book. Smart guy, a mm-hmm. PhD from the uh, University of Cambridge, mm-hmm. um, pastor, theologian. He wrote a book called The Enneagram Goes to Church. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's really been promoting it among evangelicals of, mm-hmm. you know, this is a helpful tool. Um, but even him in talking about it says, because the origins and stuff are questionable, we, we can we can view that as just taking the good from it and, and kind of, you know, throwing out all of the other stuff. And so he just makes a very pragmatic argument, mm-hmm. really leading from from pragmatism or utilitarianism mm-hmm. that because there is some good from it, then then we can accept it as, you know, being good. All truth is truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I watched a debate with him and Marsha Montenegro, who's kind of the yeah. leading proponent against this, who's a former New Ager. Mm-hmm. She was an astrologist and she was like, this is no different than astrology. It's really not. Yeah. It's a lot of like you're going to see people that are just as dedicated to the Enneagram as others that are dedicated to their astrological sign. So 
I think there's something questionable when we are um, attaching ourselves to something as part of our, our identity as strongly as we should be attaching ourselves to our identity in Christ. And if we are so attached to this personality test to where we can't give it up, then we have to ask ourselves why. What about it is making a, what about it is clinging on to us? And is it something that's safe to be using them? Because first and foremost, we should be willing to give up anything for our relationship with Christ. And should we be doing things that could endanger that? So do you, do you see this as like a usurping of the Holy Spirit's role in the life of the believer? Yeah. That, that this is a transformational pathway, but yet the Bible says that we are, as believers, are, are baptized in one spirit into his body. Mm-hmm. That community of faith becomes transformational for us. The Spirit's work in us is sanctifying. Yeah. And I think it's trying to replace that completely. So if you're trying to take your own sanctification into your own hands, which while um, I believe we are an active participant in our sanctification, it is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of our sin and that points out the things that need to change. And that is done through community with other believers, regular time in the Bible, being under strongly biblical leadership and allowing the Holy Spirit to actually work in us. Why are we turning to another source that it, that has occult backgrounds yeah. in order to do that? We don't need to. Yeah. So you, why, do, why do you think that you know, a lot of Christians have latched on to this. What would you attribute that to? I think lack of understanding of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, with my background, um, I was taught that the Holy Spirit was like silent, like when I was a kid. And then the other teaching that I got once I really stepped into my faith and I was in a different church was really like Holy Spirit is just power. And that's really how he was taught to me. And I was extremely biblically illiterate, so I didn't know any better. But doing this research um, in the Holy on the Holy Spirit recently has really helped me with learning what his role actually is. And he's so involved in our lives and turning us into Christ and turning us into images like Christ and sanctifying us and making us um, more holy that that we really don't need outside sources other than the Bible, him, and then the setup that God has given us of the biblical church and the community. Yeah. God has been sanctifying believers for 2000 <laughs> years before the Enneagram comes onto the scene. Like yes. why all of a sudden do we need this? Yeah. yeah. No, I, I definitely think that that's a, a part of it, that there is a, a kind of a usurping of, um, really the authority of scripture to be sufficient mm-hmm. in our lives as believers. And I think that's why leadership sometimes latches on to the next popular thing is I think there's a temptation among leadership who may not. And, and, and sometimes I think it's with good intention. So I'm not like trying to throw people under the bus, but I think sometimes when, when you don't see the beauty of the gospel and its implications, all mm-hmm. of its implications in every aspect of the life of the believer, then, then sometimes you can teach the Bible in such a way where you're, you're, you're really not demonstrating a trust in the Bible mm-hmm. to do its work among its people. Like we, I often say that we, we trust the word of God to do the work of God. Mm-hmm. And that really needs to be evident in yeah. the ministry of the church. Whereas others would probably say that or affirm that, 
But in reality, they trusted more human constructs, mm -hmm. right? And you see this in the church growth movement. It's like, mm -hmm. let's do everything we can. You know, let's dim the lights. Let's <laughs> bring the fog machines out. Let's do all of this stuff to entertain. And it's, it's pragmatism. Mm -hmm. It is, you know, if we can get some good to come out of this, then it must be right. And if the, mm -hmm. if the end result is, is the desirable thing, um, then anything goes, which that's just not how God operates in Scripture. Mm -hmm. Like God has high standards. And so pragmatism oftentimes... I think can make us lose our focus on the standards mm -hmm. of God, particularly in the worship gathering, um, but also in every aspect and thread of our mm -hmm. ministry. And so bringing in other other tools, um, which is not in inherently bad, that mm -hmm. is using other tools. Um, but when it's something of this questionable origin, something that seems to usurp, you know, the spirit and the Bible's role in our transformation in the community of faith, then I think there's a lot of red flags mm -hmm. that we should be throwing up. And, and I think, I thank God for people like Marsha Montenegro, who's, who's come out of the new age world, who's like really been speaking out of, mm -hmm. about the, this issue for sure. Yeah. And I think one thing just to focus on is, um, oh man, pregnancy brain is really killing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a day. Um, but, uh, yeah, when it just comes back to our like sanctification process is who's trying to do the work and are we focusing on maybe a sin that's not actually a sin in our life because a test tells us is it's sin, but the spirit wasn't the one convicting us of it. Yeah. So are we being distracted from actually something that needs to be worked on that needs to be changed because of a standard of a test that is not the perfect standard? We're given the perfect standard for how we are supposed to act towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, how we're supposed to treat God, how our sanctification is supposed to look. We're given that in his word. So instead of reading his word, his divine thoughts, we are instead reading a book that is inspired by somebody's automatic writing with another entity. Yeah. So who are we serving? Are we serving the entity or are we serving God? Because we are then taking away the time that we could be spending actually learning from him. Yeah. Amen. Where's it at? <laughs> no, that's awesome. Um, so ultimately, I think your opinion, my opinion, we, we say that we would reject this, um, not seek to redeem it in the church um, because of its, uh, not solely because of its origin, but because it's not you know, even objective truth, according to like data. Um, and so uh, the usurping of the spirit, the the questionable origin, uh, the lack of concrete evidence, um, you know, in the scientific world is all reason to reject it. Um, I, I wanted to, I, I shared this scripture with you a while back. It was in Colossians 2, 8. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an important scripture because a lot of times we can, we can lose sight of the fact that there are principles of this world <clears throat> that seek to capture us with empty philosophies. And, and that's sort of what this verse is about. It's Colossians 2, 8, and we're admonished as Christians. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so really anything that's that, that has its origins of the world these elemental spirits or elemental principles of the world governed by the God of this world, um, we should have discerning minds when we're coming to, especially the leaders of the church that are, you know, 
espousing this and, and, you know, exposing their people to it and even promoting it and preaching on it mm-hmm. in their churches. It's like, man, God has given you his word. Um, what, what are we doing here? What do we, do we really uphold this is, do we believe it's sufficient mm-hmm. that the word of God is sufficient to do the work of God? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Any final thoughts? I think we got it covered. You don't need the Enneagram. That's it. <laughs> so what would you point to sources? Do you have, um, I mentioned Marsha. She's got a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Um, so Marsha Montenegro, it tends to be one of the people that's interviewed the most. She actually has a book that she released and it's on Richard Rohr and the Enneagram. So if you're going to practice the Enneagram, which I do not recommend that, look into Richard Rohr. You need to understand what him and his disciples actually teach to know that they can't give actual Christian guidance because they're not Christian leaders. Um, I believe the title is Richard Rohr in the Secret Enneagram yes. or Secrets of the Enneagram yeah, or something Secrets like of that. Secrets of the Enneagram, yeah. yeah. And um, so that's a good one. Um, a podcast that did a pretty in-depth study of it is the Coltish podcast. Elisa Childers did a good podcast on it. And then um, Theology Mom Christina Bontrager. She has done multiple blog posts and um, podcasts on it. And she's actually talked with a psychiatrist on the validity of it in the scientific world. I came across a guy um, just for one final one named Chris Berg. Um, He wrote his doctoral dissertation on it, which was interesting. Um, And then wrote a popular level book uh, called The Enneagram, The Trojan Horse of the New Age. Um, seeing how that was kind of seen as this gift for the mm-hmm. church in, in a lot of circles, but really as a Trojan horse, uh, Trojan horse. Um, so I think that would probably be a good resource. I haven't read the book, but I heard him talk about it. And um, I think he's of the similar mindset of that. This is actually a different religion. It's it's not compatible with Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a different way of viewing the world, um, human nature, um, all of that. So uh, definitely check out those resources if you're if you still have a lot of questions. Um, appreciate you being on here. Thank um, you for having me. Yeah, it was fun. It was, <laughs> it was fun. fun. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad you were able to. Um, well, if you are watching this for the first time, this is our church channel. We really started this, you know, this show, Coffee Time Q and A, to minister to our people, to answer questions that they have. But we saw um, value for a broader audience on. YouTube. And so we'd love for you to subscribe to our channel, um, like the video, comment on it. If you want to submit a question, um, we got a, a queue of them that we'll be teeing up in the coming weeks. We'd love uh, to talk about it. Whatever whatever you submit, we'll have a conversation about it. Um, as long as it's appropriate, I guess. <laughs> Should probably qualify that. Um, but thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Peace out. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for these throwback episodes. We hope you enjoyed them. I know we did. We enjoyed filming them. And, of course, you may have seen that there's a little bit of difference in scenery, but that's our old studio. So if you haven't done so, make sure you click the like button, subscribe, and click that bell so you know when we release new videos. That is if you're watching this on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave us a review. We do want to know how we're doing. And leave comments. We love to interact with our viewers and our listeners. So go ahead and do so. Also, if you have any questions for us, you can submit them at wec.life. If you go to wec.life and you go to the social media card, you can go down there and select the Coffee Time 
card and you can leave us some questions. Matter of fact, I'll leave a link down below so you can get there. We love you all and God bless.